The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We have gambling policy rules that we go every year, probably once in the spring, once everybody gets here. You don't really do it in the spring because it's not mandatory, so you don't reach everybody. But next week in mandatory minicamp, we'll sit down and have that meeting, and we'll discuss it, and we'll, we'll, they'll know exactly what they can, can and can't do. Blue Belichick actually talked about that uh, in very, very large detail. He always tells us what we need to do, we need to stay away from we have a whole meeting about just that, so we do a good job of, of learning. NFL does a great job, and, and our staff here does a great job of explaining the rules for gambling. So, honestly, uh, I'm just as surprised as everyone else when it pops on the, on the ticker. I mean, I've been in this league a long time, and I don't think I've heard or seen this many suspensions from gambling. So, I mean, I, I don't know. So, I mean, I hope... <laughs> they get the message now but i mean yeah it's not it's not good at all so um just got to be smarter than that just some of the voices reacting yesterday to monday's news of another looming gambling suspension this one as dramatic as any we've seen with approximately a hundred wagers reportedly by colts cornerback isaiah rogers including bets involving Colts games, and it wasn't an accident that CJ Mosley, that was the last guy we heard from with the Jets. The Jets are making sure the players understand the rules because they got bit by the gambling policy with receivers coach Miles Austin. Right. He got suspended for a full year just a month before the season ended. And then before that was Dietrich Wise of the Patriots. Of course, the Patriots are going to be buttoned up on things like this because they're going to understand where the landmines are and how to avoid them. Right. I want to, though, comment on what Todd Bowles was saying at the front end. I wrote about this yesterday. If you're waiting until everyone's there for mandatory minicamp, coach, you're waiting too long because the guys who are in the building for the voluntary program, if they're betting on NBA playoff games in the locker room, they're going to get stung too. Everybody needs to know the minute they walk through the building. I wrote this yesterday. There needs to be a sign, just like the big sign they put on the locker room, no admittance. There needs to be a sign when you walk through the door and a sign when you go into the locker room 
Stop. Don't do it. Don't gamble on your phone, your tablet, your computer. You will be caught. You will be suspended. Don't do it. It needs to be that plain and obvious, apparently, given the fact that we've seen so many suspensions. I I mean, yeah, but but also what I would say, I mean, apparently we didn't see this for 20 years before this, right? I mean, it's barely ever happened. I think that's what C.J. Mosley's talking about a little. He's a little like... Because you didn't have Big Brother to do your betting on. That's the problem. You had the Big Brother eight years ago, ten years ago. I mean, it it was there, but... No, 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 no. But legal gambling? You had no apps on your phone. Gotcha. Okay, I got you. had no apps on your phone. Still, that's that's where they're getting stung. It's all been in your face. I mean, Mike, I'd have a hard time figuring out a... a, This is where, again, they could they do more? I, I don't disagree with you there, obviously. But, like, it's in every building. It's in every, like, where you walk in the locker room, no gambling on premises. It's it's everywhere. That's where I think, like, a guy like C.J. Mosley's a little bit like, what? what? We hear about it three or four times a year. Even though Todd Bowles says the whole team hasn't watched it, I bet you the rookies have watched something about this where they have a little rookie meeting and the bylaws and what to do in the NFL. So they have some clue. But, yeah, I think, you know, hey, could they do more? You're right about that. But I think guys that have been around the league for a little while are like, are, are you kidding me? Did, did you sleep in every meeting we've ever had? Or can you not read? There's things everywhere that says don't do it. So I think there's that's where the disconnect or the confusion is a little bit. This one is as simple as it gets. Given the consequences and given the ease with which a violation can occur, it needs to be hammered into the brains of every player over and over and over again to the point where they get sick of hearing about it because it is so easy. It's so tempting. It's so available. It's right there. Anytime you feel like downloading the app or thinking you're going to outsmart the system by having an account in someone else's name, we're learning through Isaiah Rogers. The rest of us knew this. The players need to learn it. You're still going to get caught because your phone is going to betray you. It is pinging everywhere you are. They're going to know that somebody made those bets, and they're going to investigate it, and they're going to find you. You will be caught. You will be suspended. Don't think you're smarter than the computer that you carry around that you call a phone. It's a little computer that you carry everywhere you go that has GPS. It knows where you are. It knows what you do, and it will take you down if you do something you shouldn't do. It's taking everybody down. It's taking society down, this big brother. Thanks for this phone technology. Jeez, is it smart or stupid? I don't know. I don't know. The damn thing can't fix a word sometimes, and I go, it's the easiest word in the world to fix, but yet it tracks me everywhere. I don't know. What is it? Is it a smart computer or a stupid computer? Well, I have, <laughs> I have a feeling that your autocorrect on your phone has been overridden by some of the words you've typed into it, so it, maybe it's yeah. adjusting it's like to you. Love. It's not artificial intelligence. It's artificial <laughs> stupidity. I, I know, like, you know, the F word and those are going to get changed, but it's like, of gets change the if every time I write the word I mean love gets changed to live every time I write the word I, you know that's where I go I, I don't know is it smart is it stupid I don't really know I do know it's ruining society that, that's what I can tell you well, speaking of live live golf oh speaking of ruining society cool. let's keep going on baby <laughs> I got a oh, ruining look, society and, and topic a too <laughs> hang on hang on yeah hang on dude. put a put a pin in that one yeah uh when, when Pete mentioned that the show open today was going to be a montage of folks talking about the gambling policy, look, how did we get here? How are we at this juncture of the NFL's existence? 
it's because gambling, wagering on sports, became legalized after the NFL fought and fought and fought. There are quotes from the commissioner back in 2009 when Delaware was trying to implement a sports betting system, and the NFL fought it and fought it and fought it. And if you look at the quotes, if you look at the things Goodell said then, I thought the moment that the U.S. Supreme Court opened the floodgates to every state deciding state by state, one at a time, whether or not they want to have legalized wagering on sports. I thought he'd have to resign. I thought there was no way to reconcile the things he said before about gambling and the things he said since. Well, what's the big difference? It's the money. Money changes attitudes like nothing else. Once someone explained to the commissioner how much money they stand to make from whatever Revenue stream they can craft. Remember, they tried integrity fee early on. We want 1% of the handle for, for ensuring that the sports results, the things you're betting on, have integrity. Well, if they don't already have integrity, you've got a bigger problem than only getting 1% of the handle. And then they, they have the sports book partnerships, the data they make available. They're making money after money after money. So now they love gambling. They hated it, and now they love it, which dovetails perfectly with what happened yesterday Yeah, with the PGA Tour and Live Golf. The PGA Tour hated Live Golf and hated Live Golf and fought Live Golf and pushed the whole idea that the Saudis were involved in financing 9-11. They embraced that to, as a way to, to deflect and, and win in the court of public opinion. But you know what happens? Eventually, they put enough money on the table that not only can you not refuse it, you're willing to look like a hypocrite for all the things you said in the past. Just like Goodell's past opposition to gambling. Jay Monahan, the PGA Tour commissioner, getting shredded, rightfully so, for his about face on Live Golf. Because once they show up with enough money that you can't say no, boom, there you go. And I mention that, Chris, because even though NFL rules currently prohibit foreign investments, once they put enough money on the table, baby, they're buying a team. They put enough out there. They feather enough nests with that. They pay some sort of a waiver fee to all the teams, $10 million here, $100 million there, a billion there, whatever it is, whatever it is. The money talks. That's the bottom line. They can huff and they can puff, but at the end of the day, they'll blow their own house down for enough money. Yeah, yeah, yeah agreed. I, I, I can't disagree with anything you said there. You're right. That's what makes it go around. It's, it's you know, I think all the things that we kind of are annoyed with you know, it would the NFL have somewhat or something, some connection to money. Uh, and of course, yeah, this is business. This is America. This is the way it goes. It's shocking. I don't, not like I follow golf on an everyday basis, but the, it just seemed like the tension was so real and, and that there was, you know, just such discourse and everything and so many issues between both sides that I just was shocked yesterday when that news kind of broke, but I'm sure everybody he, was. I, I yeah. I mean, I didn't even hear rumblings or inklings of it coming down the you know coming down the highway there either. So that that was a that was a shock. And you know, I guess it's good for golf. Yes, it, it's got to be good for the PGA. You know, so a lot of their big stars are with the LIV, right? And then the big stars, it's got to be Don't good live. for them because Don't like live, live whatever, uh, yeah, whatever it's called. And then and then LIV and let LIV. Yeah. Well, and then and then and then. You know, some of the big stars that are in the live tour, it was also like, man, I, I don't even see you on TV anymore. I don't even know who you are. Where'd you go? So I'm sure it's a win-win for those I'll go guys. Away for, I'll go away for $500 million. Somebody wants to give me $500 million to go away and right. not be on TV, I'll right. do it in a heartbeat. <laughs> and what about the guys that passed? What about Tiger Woods and Rory McIlroy? They stayed loyal yeah. to the PGA Tour, and 
And I think it was Kevin Clark of The Ringer who put it perfectly, and I'm probably going to butcher his quote, but basically, if you don't sell out when you have the chance, someone else is eventually going to sell you out. What I would exactly what happened to the guys who said yeah. no. Well, I, I'm, I'm ama- what I just was thought about was like the guys who got like, you know, the $100 million payday from Liv and all that. You know, now, so wait, they're still going to get money from Liv and be paid from there and then also get paid if they win a PGA Tour event? I just, I kind of found that kind of, like, fascinating, too. I I didn't know how that all would work out. And it's funny, the word merger implies that it's some sort of a fusion of the two into some new entity. Usually in a merger, one gets swallowed up by the other. And based on some of the stuff I saw yesterday, it sure sounds like the PGA Tour is getting swallowed up by this Saudi-owned golf conglomerate. Is that right? Which just should put everyone on notice. If they want to buy any other sport in America, they will because they have the money to do it. They eventually will buy any sport they want to buy. And if they get rebuffed, they'll just compete. That's, That's how this came up last year. We started talking about what was going on with the PGA tour and live in the context of what if the Saudi multi-billion dollar fund from the oil they sell, what if they decided to start an NFL equivalent that competes on relatively even footing? Cause they can fund it and they can fund it and they can fund it. I mean, that would be the same thing. It'd be like what the AFL did. The AFL competes with the NFL. The NFL realizes, oh, we're losing this fight. Let's merge. Now, in that one, the NFL emerged as the winner. But, look, I don't don't foresee an outcome where Saudi money owns the NFL. But I wouldn't be surprised if at some point a team is owned by this fund and all the other owners get so much money that they just go along with it. Yeah, I don't think I, – I wouldn't be shocked either, you know. I, I don't know if it's going to happen here, you know, in the next three, four, five years. But like you said, with the gambling and, and, and other instances where, yeah, if, if there's something to be done that expands the game, makes money for the other owners and all that, do I think that the NFL would maybe get, open up uh, good old Pandora's box to let in some more cash, let in some Saudi cash? Absolutely. There's no doubt about that. So – I, I hear you there, and I wouldn't doubt that it doesn't happen in the next 10 years or so. Football is family. That's what they say to cover up the fact that football is business. And it is. They don't want the average fan to make that connection. Just like the days when they didn't want the average wrestling fan to realize that it was all staged and scripted until they found out, you know what, you go ahead and tell them, and they're still going to enjoy it. I don't know how jaded the average fan would become if they realize. It's not about winning championships. It's about making as much money as possible. They just tell you they're trying to win the championship to separate as much money from you as they can. But it's about separating as much money as they can from whoever wants to give them the money, whether it's the fans, whether it's the networks, whether it's the sport books, whether it's whoever. Whoever wants to give them the money, official candy bar, official pizza, official whatever it is that the NFL never even actually uses. You want to give us a bunch of money? To tie your name to us, fine. We'll name the price. And if you'll meet it, we'll do business. And 
that that's what it ultimately is. It is a for-profit business that keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And the bigger any business gets, the more profit it earns, the more pressure there is to get more. It's always there. I never understood that. Isn't it good enough to just reach a level of, hey, we're making good money every year? No, there's no, always that. Not, we got to get more. We got to get bigger. We got to get more. We got to push. We got to right. push. And this is a frontier that is out there, especially if they're going to show up with a giant bag of cash. And say, let's do business. But there's d- enough cash in that bag. They'll do business with anyone. They'll do business with the devil himself if there's enough cash in the bag. Well, I, I didn't know, and I didn't read up a ton on it. Right? I kind of just saw the basics and was like, okay, blah blah blah, and, and move on with life. But uh, I, I found it interesting that you said that you thought the LIV or the Live, sorry, all right, was going to swallow up the PGA. I guess at first thought, I just thought, oh, well, it'll be back to the PGA and. They might have some sort of live thing here or there, but but uh, I was I was intrigued by the fact that you said it was going to be maybe the other way around. Yeah, well, they're not going to advertise that, but it just sounds like the money won, as it always does. The money always wins. That's the reality. You can't beat the money. The money is going to beat you. And look, they were in court, and and the antitrust claims were being made, and. There's probably a strong argument to be made that the PGA Tour was on the wrong side of the law. Another reason to take the money. Look, we can fight this and we can lose and we can have issues and we can have problems and we can have to pay a lot of money at the end of the day. Let's just take the money and end it. Let's just take their money. It's it's coming, I think, if they want it to. The question is, what do they want to do? How far do they want to take it? The term that I've heard is sports washing, that the Saudi government is using this buying up of sports properties as a way to legitimize things that might be unsavory about the outdated way of life. Beyond the ties to 9-11, just the the, the civil rights abuses alleged or actual. I'm not... I'm not sufficiently studied on the attacking of journalists. Um, Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They chopped... Jamal Khashoggi up into little pieces yeah, just and put killed him in a box. Yeah, no big deal. Probably yeah. not a good thing. Right, Probably right. not a good thing. Hey, come on in here for a meeting. Oh, now you're dead and we're going to chop you up into pieces and right. put you in a box. Probably frowned upon. Although there are some, you know, politicians in America that would support that for journalists. But that's a different issue altogether. Yeah. Anyway, that's, hey, well, that's where yeah, we are. Yeah. And it's just a matter of time. And you better get used to it because at a certain number... They're going to say yes to anybody out there that has that big bag of cash. Yeah, I, I'm with you, Mike. I don't think there's any doubt, right? So, you know, and hey, it's uh, – Go ahead, see. Captain Planet. I'm well, yielding the floor uh, to Captain Planet. I, I don't even know what this – I don't even know. We've talked enough. All I want to do is say is like, hey, speaking of the Saudis and oil money and drying up the planet, uh, we've only been living in a cloud of smoke here in uh, the Northeast for the last two days. <laughs> no big deal. That. You're used to living in a cloud <laughs> of smoke. Uh, well, I like my own personal cloud of smoke of Mary Jane, okay? <laughs> I don't like to go outside and smell burning trees, all right? I mean, Mike my, my, is – it's eerie here right now. It's eerie. Like, you see, like, yesterday here, it was, I don't even know how to explain it. Like, you were in the fog. You'd see fog roll over the hills, except it wasn't fog. It was clouds of smoke. I mean, you walk outside. You can smell, smell smoke everywhere. Kids aren't allowed to go outside. There's air quality alerts. No no recess time outside. I mean, it, it's crazy. I've never seen it quite like this. We had the fires in California, right, like last year or two years ago. 
where we got some cloud here, but that's right. Captain Planet is here to tell you what the hell are we doing? Why do we not care about our planet? I just don't get it. I don't. It's it's scary. I mean, the Great Salt Lake is drying up. Lake Mead is drying up. The Colorado River is drying up. And you just nobody ever talks about it here. But, hey, oh, the, the Northeast is under smoke. Hey, it's just a huge region and an important part of the country. No big deal. It's just it's amazing. So I'm sorry. I just had to say that. And let's go on to football. And it's all coming from wildfires in Canada. Right. It's June. It's early June. Why would anything be so dry in early June? There's warnings everywhere. Burn Everything's dry. Every, there's warnings up here in New Jersey, New York. It's it's all like, be careful right now. Everything's so dry because we don't get rain anymore. When we get rain, it rains five feet in an hour, and then it doesn't rain again for five months. And that's kind of where we're stuck in right now, and it, it's very odd. Well, uh, <laughs> as, as George Carlin right. said, and again, I'm going to butcher his line, the planet is dying. No, the planet will be fine. <laughs> the planet will be just fine. It's not the planet that we should worry about dying at the end of the day. The planet will win. The planet will, will win. Lose. But at what point do we the destroy planet the planet win. that it it's doesn't actually function its normal self either? And yeah, you know, and of course, yeah, are we going to wipe ourselves? It'll still be here. We're going to wipe our. It'll still be here. You're right. You know, I know, yeah. I know. But you know, I mean, you know me. I'm sensitive to we that. We won't. And uh, when they say things like, you know, there's a report out right now, you know, hey, the North Pole and uh, Arctic ice and all that, it's not going to be here in two years. It's gone totally. Like, I, that's where I'm just amazed that people are just like, eh, let's just keep going and doing what we're doing. It's it's kind of crazy. All right, Santa's that's enough. Let's talk about boat. football. Yeah, right. <laughs> bigger boat is okay. right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, OTAs, mini camps, we're getting toward the end of it. But the best part about this process is every day, it seems, there are more than a handful of players, coaches, et cetera, who are available to speak to reporters at these sessions. Debo Samuel, who had a down 2022 season, he addressed that yesterday. Here's the question. Here's his answer from Debo Samuel at 49ers offseason workouts. How did you, would you assess your season last year? Oh, it was awful. It was awful. Yeah. In what way? Every aspect. Me and Kyle had a long meeting the other day. We watched tape. Um, we talked about it. We put it behind us. And um, just going through the tape and just look how sluggish and, like, how bad it looked on tape. Um, like I said, uh, just reflecting on last offseason, it kind of played a big role in that. And I never put nothing like that back on tape again. Did you feel it as the season was going on, or was it not until you went back and watched it? <laughs> uh, I was kind of behind the eight ball a little bit um, for us, you know, uh, being in my routine that I normally be in for is the offseason, getting ready to play because, like I said, uh, a lot of distractions was going on. But, um, yeah, I kind of felt it, but I was just, you know, uh, trying to will my way to help the team in every aspect possible. Does it affect what your goals are for this season? Oh, not at all. Yeah, a lot of distractions. You know what the distractions were? He wanted out. Yeah. At least that was... That was the card he was playing because right. he couldn't get the contract he wanted. But there was a point where we thought it was done. We thought it was over. Remember the video? There, they got the sign in the club, and he's doing this. Like it wasn't right. He sold it. He sold it. At the end of the day, he stayed, and we were surprised when he stayed. Maybe it's because there wasn't a team out there that was willing to trade for him and pay him, and the 49ers were the only ones that were willing to pay him. But they were expecting him to be 2021 Debo. He was down significantly. In every metric. Now, he missed a few more games than he did. He played 16 in 2021, 13 in the regular season in 2022, but but down considerably in receiving yards, 
yards per catch, right. way down in yards per catch, right. like almost seven yards, down in yards per attempt from 6.2 to 5.5, which 5.5 is still pretty good, but it's not like it was the year before, and he didn't run it as much no. as he did now exactly. that they have Christian McCaffrey. Right. So he got that big contract, and last year, and look, I'm, I'm always in favor of guys getting paid, but last year – it's easy for the 49ers to think we may have given this guy a little bit too much. And I'd love to know the things Kyle Shanahan was saying to him while they were reviewing film to kind of kind of needle him and prod him to really be better prepared for this season. Oh, well, I, I'm knowing my friend Kyle Shanahan, and, and that's why he's so serious, Debo Samuel there. That is, he, you know, threw it in his face with the, the tactful, tactful, colorful language that I know he can use and say to get through to players, right? Where he's probably like, what the F is this? This isn't you. Look at let's look at you from the year before. Look at you here running this route. This doesn't look like you here in 2022. You know, that's where Shanahan, and, and you've heard me say this before, I think is a master communicator. He knows how to talk to the guys and talk in coach terms, but also talk in player terms where they get it and it hits home. And I think, like, Mike, you're on the right track. You know, this is the classic case of, yes, hey, like you always say, we talked about Aaron Rodgers, the offseason matters for most players. It does. It was a tremendous drop-off. I mean, they got to the NFC Championship and didn't have maybe their best weapon hitting on all cylinders last year like he was the year before. I mean, that's stark as far as the difference in numbers. Yards per reception, that's because he could beat you deep the year before or catch a screen and run 60 yards up the sideline. I think this was one where no offseason, Mike, like you talk about, right? A little out of shape, right? A little overweight, maybe. And then because of that, you miss a few more games than you usually miss because, yes, you're not quite in the condition you need to be to play football. And, uh, you know, we, we've vet Debo Samuel many times. And knowing Shanahan and that group out there that we talk about, he's going to have a fire under his ass this year. And I'd, I'd say watch out, everybody, in the NFC West for Debo Samuel this year. And look, it's not a one-way street. The 49ers created a situation where he ended up being upset. They misplayed it from that standpoint because sure. they ultimately did pay him. Yeah. If they had paid him earlier, they avoid all that. They avoid the distraction. They read it the right way. That's what I say all the time. For the players – they go through it once, maybe twice in their lives where they're in a serious football negotiation. The teams are doing it all the time. They need to read player by player. Where can we get away with waiting? Where do we have to be aggressive in pay? How do we avoid problems where guys check out? He checked out. That's really what it came down to. It wasn't a distraction. He checked out. Yeah, he's he like, was like, I'm pissed. out of here. I'm not on this team. I'm not putting any effort in. I, I agree. That's what it seemed like. You know, and you're right, Mike. And, about and, and they have responsibility. Yeah, they have responsibility in misreading him and letting it get to that point. Yeah, I I, I hear you there. Now, like I I I'm thinking back about it, and correct me if I'm wrong. It it all kind of happened out of nowhere, a little late later in the process, right? If I remember correctly, too, it wasn't like the start of free agency. You know, it was kind of one of those things, if I remember correctly, and please correct me if I'm wrong, Mike, because it was last year, and, you know, I got a lot of smoke in my brain and might forget some details, but it did seem like it was a little bit after the fact of when you would have heard about it, and by all due accounts, it seems like it really caught the 49ers off guard. So, I again, I don't know. I know everybody thinks, because I'm friends with Kyle Shanahan, I know these details. These are things I don't want to know and I don't ask him about, so I don't know what they are. 
But that's, if I remember correctly, kind of how it went down. And that, I felt like, was a little odd at the time, too. It happened at some point in April. Pete says April 24th, right. the video in the nightclub. But it would happen before A little before that, that right. And, and, it, and it may have been as simple as... Seeing the other guys sign? Look at what sign? Devontae Adams exactly. got. Right. Look at what Tyreek Hill right. got. Right. When am I going to get mine? Right. I do more than those guys do. They got me running the football. I'm at greater risk than they are. There are all those issues that popped up when we first became aware of it, and we entered the draft wondering what was going to happen. And between A.J. Brown and Debo Samuel, we would have said Samuel's more likely to be traded during the draft than A.J. Brown, and Brown was the, the one who ended up being sent from Tennessee to Philadelphia. So – uh, but but still, you, you got you got to assess the situation accurately and properly if you're the team because you want to avoid a situation where you're going to pay him anyway. You you better pay him before he checks out on the entire offseason preparation, and then he's going to be useless to you in year one of this new contract that you're paying him. Yeah, which leads to a guy that they've yet to pay, who maybe they should be thinking about paying in Nick Bosa. I'm surprised he hasn't taken a stand yet. And it sounds like they're reading it properly because he's still all in, even though he hasn't gotten his contractual reward that he has earned. Here's Bosa yesterday talking about his contract status. What's your confidence level that you'll be able to, you know, get something done here before camp or right as it starts? It's pretty high. Um, yeah, I think, I think I'm pretty confident about that. Maybe it wasn't your goal to be there. Highest paid defensive player. You were the defensive player of the year. I mean, has that changed? Would you like to be paid as such? Um, I think I'll get what I deserve. <laughs> I love how the bosses talk like that. They're so funny. <laughs> but he's already overdue to get what he deserves. Look, when they took away the windfall, and it's not a windfall because the money was earned. Yeah. But when they reconfigured the system in 2011 to protect it against guys like Jamarcus Russell and Ryan Leaf making a bunch of money that they never actually earned, the right. argument was that sucks millions out of the system that could go to the guys who are actually here. That's fine. But what about the guys who do earn it? What about the Nick Bosa, who was the second overall pick, who did earn that money? When are you going to give him the money that he earned year one, year two, year three, year four? And now he's up against his fifth-year option, holding the injury risk. He's been through a torn ACL, and he's still one of the most impactful defensive players in the game. When are you going to rectify the situation that the CBA created? Because those are the guys who were forgotten in all of this. Hey, we're going to protect everyone from the busts that walk away with $70 million that they never really earn. That's fine. But what about guys like Nick Bosa who do everything they're supposed to do, check every box, perform to the level of their draft status, and they have to wait and they have to wait and they have to wait. I am surprised he hasn't taken a stand. So they've read this one properly. They read it right. But That's right. Based on what he said yesterday, they better yeah yeah they better start digging deep. That's right. It, it's it's coming down the train tracks for sure. They're they're gonna dig deep. I, I I would say this, Mike. I would say the the reason they were able to buy maybe an extra year in this conversation was because he missed basically his whole second year of his career. Right. I think that you know in in a nutshell probably allowed them one more year of hey we can kick this down the road and 
knowing the Bosa meathead football family, and I say that with the most respect possible. I do. I love meatheads who are football families. I'm one of them. Okay. Where I mean that where they're probably the kind of guys too, knowing their father a little bit and being around them where, you know, it's like, Hey, you, you got to earn it. You didn't even play your second year and you know, okay, you had a good third year, but I don't think it's right to be asking for more money. I I could see them being like that, but they're going to get paid. You know, again, the one thing I know about this situation and I will speak, speak, Shanahan thinks the world of Nick Bosa. I mean, him and Nick and John Lynch think he is the man. I think he embodies just about everything that they want a 49er to be, right? And I'm not going to sit here and put words in their mouth and say they think he's the best player, but they certainly talk about him as he's one of the best defensive players in football, and I don't think there's any denying that. For my money, him and Micah Parsons, if you ask me any guys I could pick right now in football to start a defense, it's one of those two guys. That's who I would take. Um, but uh, I, I think, Mike, it, it's, it's going to happen, and I'd be shocked if he's not the highest-paid edge defender in football. And I don't know. Do you think he could be the kind of guy? What well, we got T.J. Watt at $27 million. Could he be the guy, or $28 million? Could he be a guy that challenges Aaron Donald's $31 million a year that he's getting? I don't know. He might. I think so. Right. I right? think so. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and all the things you're saying are accurate. They love the guy. But yeah. you know what happens if he tears his ACL week one in Pittsburgh? It'll be done before then. It'll be done. Right. It's got to be. Yeah. He's going to be a TJ Watt hold in, I would suspect, if he doesn't get his deal before training camp. I would not set foot on a practice field until I get what I deserve. Right. He used that word, deserve. I think I'll get what I deserve. He deserves all of it, and he should not put himself at any risk until he gets the contract he deserves. A guy who's already torn an ACL. Yeah. Don't do it because even, and look, this is the time of year where guys are going to work out, and he's wired to work out. You can tell by looking at him. This, this is a guy that's spent a lot of time in the gym. No doubt. You suffer some sort of a fluke injury, you're cooked. You want to get that responsibility on the team, not on yourself. Because if it happens now, they're not going to pay you what they would have paid you if you were healthy at the time you finalize your deal. Yeah, agreed there, Mike. And I think the other part of this is a little bit like what we started the segment with, with Debo Samuel, right? Let's not go down that road again. Let's have all our guys invested in this right away. And the 49ers of all teams have been, you know, maybe some of their own doing and whatever else, have just not been able to get all their stars aligned in the same season. You know, like we talk about, like last year, you know, Debo is not quite there. There's just always something that's kind of holding them back from having the full roster at its best. And that would be the thing I'd say to Lynch or Shanahan and just go get – Get Nick Bosa done so you don't have to worry about anything and you hit training camp, run in full speed, and you can make a run at this Super Bowl thing and have all your guys ready to go and no contract disputes or guys missing time or workouts or any of that, and hopefully they can get that done. For 25 years, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters. Both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.
There's no place like the movie theater. The smell of fresh popcorn welcomes you to a full body experience while candies and sodas compete for your attention. Hoping to join you in the best seats you've reserved on Fandango. It's where movie lovers buy tickets, pick seats, and double up on rewards points all online. All that's left is to walk in, snack up, and sit back. Visit Fandango.com or download the app today for your ticket to the movies. Not as glaring as it is with a team like the Chargers because the Chargers' self-inflicted wounds and this constant stream of it's always something yeah. keeps them from getting past the first round of the playoffs or even to the playoffs. Right. For the 49ers, they've had Super Bowl-caliber teams right. the last five years, and they haven't won a single Super Bowl, and they've only been to one. They're the NFC's equivalent of the Chiefs in the AFC. And what do they have to show for it? So that's got to be frustrating and maddening, and the quarterback position has been a big part of it. Now, Brock Purdy, who was a revelation for them last year when the third man on the depth chart became the next man up to the next man up and ended up being pretty damn good. He has the elbow surgery he's recovering from. Kyle Shanahan met with reporters yesterday. Here he is talking about where Brock Purdy currently stands in his road back to 100%. I don't watch him to tell you the truth. He's right on, right on pace. He has, a, I think, he throws three times a week. I do not sit and watch those. It's part of his process of getting back, and he's continuing right on the track he's always been on. No setbacks, and I mean, it's been very good so far. Is it your understanding, like once training camp starts, that he'll be able to do stuff on the field with the team before he's fully cleared to go play football? I haven't asked any of those yet. We're taking it very slowly. Um, it's not like you just jump out and push stuff. You're only supposed to throw on this date at this percentage, this many yards, and then you do a certain a couple days later. And if you stay on track, it should heal the right way. And right now, everything's right on track, and so we don't go any. I don't ask three weeks ahead. It's you just keep trying to stay on that trajectory. Everything's normal. I know we want updates. I, I totally get it, but there are none. So I can make something up, but there are none. <laughs> It's like just the next day of working out and rehabbing, and I don't get true involved in that. See him in the meetings, talk to him about football and stuff like that, things, what will happen when he's healthy, and um, we're just waiting for him to get healthy. And look, that's, that's what happens when you have a major surgery like that. You keep working it one day at a time. You hope everything ultimately works out, but that's why they added Sam Darnold. Just in case it doesn't work out, they've got him in the mix they need some consistency at quarterback, and they need to have bodies at quarterback because they went down to the third stringer last year. They need to have three guys on the roster and in uniform on game day, as they learned during the NFC Championship, to protect against the stuff that seems to happen. That's what's happening more than anything else for the 49ers. The instability of the quarterback position back to 2019 when they first made it to the Super Bowl that year they got lucky. Jimmy Garoppolo was healthy most of the year. Take it to 2018 when he tore his ACL week three with that yeah. sideline, drop your shoulder, tear your ACL moment. But they just need that. They need to have the plan. They need to have three guys ready. And they and you know what? It actually, their experience actually will make it easier for them if it happens again. You, you Institutionally, you've been there and done that every year now. Oh, the, the starters hurt and the backups in. All right, let's go. 
Backup starting the third stringers in. All right, let's go. We know this routine. Yeah, right. We've seen this movie before. Right. It actually makes them better equipped to deal with it if and when it happens again. It does. It definitely does. You know, and, and that's where Shanahan is a genius and the quality of the rest of their football team, you know, comes in handy because he finds ways to you know, use other guys in different ways to make up for it. But damn, it'd be nice, I'm sure, if you're Shanahan or Lynch or a 49ers fan to just go, can we just get a team with a damn quarterback and frame the team around the quarterback? And I think he's got a guy here in Brock Purdy that he sees the potential to do that and also get back from him what he's putting in himself, right? You know, I, I think that's where, you know, we, we all have heard the stories about Jimmy Garoppolo and the way he is a little bit. You know, everybody has. And I don't know if that necessarily meshes with the, with, with the way Kyle Shanahan is and what he wants at quarterback. So, yeah, they're going to take this slow because I think they finally see a guy to go, wait, we can frame the team around this guy. He's a leader. He's got the stuff we like as far as what it, what's, you know, to, to make a great quarterback. And he's all invested in wanting more knowledge. Teach me this. Teach me that. He's a gym rat that way. And so that's where I think it coincides with Shanahan and why they're going to take this slow and be smart because I think they see the potential finally to have somebody there that he can make his Kirk Cousins or his Matt Shaw back in the day with the Houston Texans uh, and hopefully even better than those two. It really is amazing to think that 2017 didn't evaluate Patrick Mahomes because he believed he was going to sign Kirk Cousins in free agency the next year. On the way to that, someone talks him into Jimmy Garoppolo, and they've had this revolving door at quarterback ever since, and Kirk Cousins hasn't missed a single game. Not it a is. single game. That is amazing. I think Other than a game, a meaningless late-season game where they sat him and rested him right, players. Right. That's the only game he's missed. Right. I, you know, it, it is. It, it, it's, it's hard to go back in time, but yeah, it, it's, it was a, it's, I think, a period where probably Shanahan and the 49ers thought, yes, they'd get Kirk Cousins. Then they started out, what, 0-8, 0-9, 0-10. to think, whoa, wait, we, we, there's no definite. We might you know, get Kirk Cousins here. we got to make a move, and we're 0-10. And we need something to get us going here. And I think that's what led to, you know, reaching out to the New England Patriots and trying to make a deal for Jimmy Garoppolo. And, yeah, so, so that's what happened, and that's where we're left here. But, yeah, there's definitely going to be some revisionist history about the 49ers and the quarterback situation. And It's not revisionist know. history. Well, it's no, history. you're right. I know. It's, it's history. It's not revisionist. You're right. You're right. Yeah. I, I didn't mean to use that word. It's just we're always going to dive back into that and dissect it and look at it and go, ooh, what if, what if that, and, and that's what I meant by that. Sorry. Your phone has autocorrected revisionist to revisiting. History. Right, I revisiting. That's Maybe that's what it was. <laughs> yes, so, thank you. Um, and, and, and the whole Jimmy G thing, as Peach has mentioned, the whole Jimmy G thing just kind of fell into the laps because of this Shakespearean drama that was playing out in New England. Yeah, right. With Tom Brady hating Jimmy G, supposedly, and power plays and decisions to get Garoppolo out of there because it was becoming an impediment to the final years of their relationship with Tom Brady. Yeah, exactly right. I, I think that's what, what Brady, I think, finally, you know, you, you listen to people in the NFL was, hey, get him out of here. I'm the man. He ain't playing anytime soon. And that was that. So it kind of – and then I think Shanahan and Belichick do have a relationship and a great respect there to where, you know, the phone rang some, one way or the other and, and they got the deal done. But – 
You know, that's yeah. That, unfortunately, as amazing as Shanahan is, and I think he's the best offensive mind in the sport, and you know that. And uh, we love their team. We talk about their team all the time. That's where it's different from the Chargers, too. And I think we maybe give the 49ers a little grace period because we see how physical and psycho they are in the field. So we're like, well, of course they're hurt. That guy just tried to run through somebody that's 350 at full speed, right? So that's where I think we – but we, we love all that. But the quarterback thing is a thorn in their side for sure. And some of that's their doing, and, you know, there's no excuses for that. And along the way, they gave up three first-round picks right. and a third-round pick, <laughs> right. all told to get Trey Lance, who's kind of lost in the shuffle. Now, Shanahan was asked yesterday whether there's been any conversation with Lance or his agent about trading him. Shanahan said, no, they're not going to trade him. You need to have him around. You never know when your third-string quarterback is going to become the guy that takes you to the brink of the Super Bowl like Brock Purdy did last year. Exactly. So you got to have somebody there. And it's a low value contract right. even as the third overall pick right. he's in year three of what is in comparison to what other veteran backup quarterbacks would cost you on the open market it's a very good deal so Lance is still there here's George Kittle from yesterday talking about Trey Lance who I think right now is number three on the depth chart with Sam Darnold ahead of him I, I'm not gonna lie to you guys I think Trey looks significantly better than he did last year um I really do I think he's his confidence is there I think that um He's throwing really good passes. I know you guys take videos sometimes. He overthrows people once in a while. Hey, it is what it is. He's still learning and stuff. But, I mean, just watching him, he just looks so much more comfortable and confident in the pocket. And I really appreciate that from him, from all the work that he's put into it. Um, I think all of our quarterbacks, I know I saw one of you guys say a stat that Brandon Allen didn't have any completion yet. That's pretty cool for him, too. But I think all of our quarterbacks are playing well. But, like I said, I think Trey's, he just looks comfortable back there. And he doesn't look like... Um, he just looks like he's having fun, and I really appreciate that from him because when he's out there having a good time, it definitely brings up everyone around him. All coming out differently? I just catch it. Over the course of my career, like when guys are lacking confidence or something, you can tell, and I haven't seen that from him at all this year. Like He has this energy to him. He has this passion to him, and you can just see he has a smile on his face. He's celebrating with the guys. Uh, you can just tell he's, he's having fun out there, and that just makes football a lot easier. Did you catch the moment, Chris, where he had to stop himself when he was saying he looks really confident out there, not like and then he <laughs> not, not like not, he used to. Not like how he used not to. Not like he did right. last year. Right, right. Not like he did his rookie year. Right. He looks better. He looks more comfortable. Not like it was almost a Quentin Williams talking yeah, about Kyler Murray moment. Right. Not like <laughs> not yeah, like that not crap we that. saw good last year. Good job by George Kittle. <laughs> it was a good, good job. job by George Kittle. Definitely slamming yeah. on the brakes. Right, uh, and and you know it's, it's good for Kittle to say that. It gives Trey Lance confidence. It does. It makes him feel better. I mean, we've talked about it. We feel for the guy. He's been put in a situation that you know he didn't raise his hand and ask for. It's a little bit like Jordan Love, where it's just man, ooh, it's tough to overcome some of the things he's had overcome there. A lot of pressure on him because of the trade and all of that. Man, he's. He's the per he's he's the perfect third string guy. Yeah, I think Sam Darnold's better than him. I do, of course. You know, I'm with you. I think Sam Darnold's probably ahead of him in the pecking order right now. But you know, to the point where you're talking about where they need three quarterbacks, and you know, right now they got four. They might, but but like Trey Lance is the perfect third string guy. What I mean, if you got down to that guy that's been there, knows the system. And, and can play and run everything that Shanahan wants to do and then even add a few you know wrinkles that his skill set can bring to the table. Uh, I think it's a, it's a great situation. Whether he's the backup or the third stringer, you know they, they got some guys there that I think they can depend on if uh, Brock Purdy's not ready to go. 
Maybe this is a product of the fact that the 49ers have been so good in recent years, even though they haven't punched it through to a championship. They're not getting killed the way that maybe other teams would. Yeah. If you go from right. third overall pick, a guy in whom three first-round picks were invested, and he's now third string. There are teams out there that we would be hounding relentlessly if they had stepped in that pile of crap. The 49ers are getting a pass. They've earned their pass. Yeah, that's I think, right. That's when the way it comes to, say to it. the criticism that others would be getting for this all-in move they made that blew up in their faces. Right. I, well, I think like when you, when you see all-in moves like this that blow up in teams' faces, it usually means the team doesn't do well. And we all point at that and go, well, <laughs> there's why you don't do well. You, you gave all away these picks, and you, know, you got a quarterback that doesn't play, and he's not any good. But, you know, to your point, they've overcome that and said, hey, screw all those picks and screw the quarterback. I'm a damn good coach, and our team's so damn good, we're still going to be a, a, a player in this whole thing. And damn, they've been close. They have. I mean, gosh, had the Rams on the ropes in the fourth quarter. Right, we certainly were sitting there going, they don't look outclassed by the best team in football in the NFC Championship game last year. And in fact, to the point where you were like, "Oh my gosh, are the 49ers going to hang in here in this game even without Brock Purdy for a while?" I mean, so you know, you're right. I think the fact that they've done all the other things the right way has uh, lessened the blow and the the media hype around you know the failure of Trey Lance and that trade to this point. We've mentioned Jimmy Garoppolo a time or two in talking about the 49ers quarterback position. How could you not? If you're going to look at the 49ers of the past several years, he's now with the Raiders. Ian Rappaport of NFL Media reported yesterday that Garoppolo is expected to be ready long before training camp, barring any issues with his foot. I mean, <laughs> yes, he's, yeah, he's, he's going to be ready unless the thing that would keep him from being ready keeps him from being ready. So thank you. Thank you for that. Yeah, I, it's a little bit like... I don't know what that means. Captain, yeah, he'll be just, ready unless he isn't. They're just trying to calm things down after last week. You know, that that's what that sounds like, right? I, I, you know, again, that's a weird situation out there. I, I don't get that. And I, I, it obviously caught the Raiders by surprise that Jimmy Garoppolo's foot was still an issue. And especially with all the talk that, oh, he might come back for the Super Bowl and... Yeah, and then, you know, they're thinking, okay, well, he must be good to go. And, you know, then delay the press conference like you talked about. That was that is definitely a weird event. And it seems like he and Don Yee kind of pulled a fast one on the Raiders to a degree. And uh, hopefully he is healthy for their sake. That's 3D chess if Don Yee was thinking all along in December and January to get this out there that he's good to go, he's close to being ready. That minimizes the extent of the interrogation when you're doing that here we go negotiating periods open we got to find a quarterback we got to find a quarterback oh you say jimmy g's fine okay let's go let's go 11.25 million dollar signing bonus until he fails the physical and they take it away and they put it in salary that he's not going to get unless he passes the physical so look even if he passes the physical and he's back here's the reality with jimmy g we got the graphic if i talk long enough it's going to come up because we didn't expect it to be up today i assume all the injuries all the, oh, there it is. Maybe, maybe they didn't expect it to come up. Look at that. Look at that. All the injuries at the most protected position in football, other than kicker and punter. He still can't avoid 
getting injured. The only year that doesn't have an injury was 2019, the year that they almost won the Super Bowl. Right. So you've got to stay healthy. You've got to stay healthy. I mentioned this when I wrote it up last night. Tom Brady, he made it to 45 in part because he avoided taking hits. He got to that chuck and duck period of his career where I'd rather throw the ball up and have it intercepted three times in the NFC Championship by the Packers and still somehow win the game than take a big hit. Because you take a big hit, you may be gone for a while. Yeah. That's what it comes down to. And that's where this whole, you know, run through a brick wall mentality needs to be tempered by the fact that there's one guy on the team we don't want running through a brick wall. And we don't want the brick walls running through him. Yeah. Get rid of the ball. Look at how he hurt his foot. He, he was holding on to the ball when he shouldn't have been. He's trying to run with it, and two Dolphins bring well, him down, and along the way, he sprains his foot. Yeah. Don't take hits. If you're an NFL quarterback, The fewer it's simple. The fewer hits you take, the fewer chances that one of those hits is going to be the one that causes something to break or to sprain or to tear, and then you're going to be gone for weeks or months or the season because of something that if you just thrown it away – it wouldn't have been an issue. Yeah. Well, I think that's, you know, what you're saying, Mike, I think is why Jimmy Garoppolo and that type of quarterback's a dying breed in the NFL. It's a dying breed, right? First off, it's a little bit of a gift and the curse, and he is tough, and he'll hang in the pocket and throw and take hits. But to your point, there's a, a fine line there where you start to go, you know, that's aggressive and tough, and no, this is just stupid, and you're taking abuse. But to the other thing you're talking about, for 2023, he is a far below average athlete for the position. And, and that's where I think, you know, you're seeing the league change away from that. Even the pocket passing quarterback we see drafted now is a threat to run and escape the pocket, right? Joe Burrow is one of the best pocket passing quarterbacks in the NFL, right? We call him a slippery son of a bitch like 75 times a year, the way he moves around and dodges and bobs and weaves and gets outside of the, gets outside of the pocket, right? I mean, he's one of those type of guys. And sorry for my language, London. I'm just having some fun here. But, you know, that's and where... And everybody else. <laughs> yeah, and everybody else. Sorry. Uh, but, yes, Jimmy Garoppolo, I think that's <laughs> where it is a little scary and... Uh, that's where it's, uh, it's the rubber has met the road a little bit on him and as a player that way. And, and it all comes down to, and look, I don't want to call the guy dumb, but I will say he does dumb things. And dumb is as dumb does. And that's why the Panthers are comfortable with Bryce Young. They're confident that he's smart enough to get rid of the ball and not take the kind of hit. Now, for him, he falls into the Tua category where – you're going to get hit, you're going to get thrown to the ground, and your head's going to snap back, your helmet's going to strike the turf, and you're going to potentially be concussed. Two is in the same category as Jimmy Garoppolo, where I don't know whether it's you're trying to be a hero, you don't have proper awareness yeah. of when to get rid of the football. Right. You know, it's kind of like we were talking about Daniel Jones yesterday. Remember, his flaw used to be he'd hold on to the ball too long. Right. And it would get knocked out of his hands. Yep. He's grown in that regard. Definitely. You, you need to grow to the point where, and this is part of the game slowing down, where you understand, I better get rid of it now or I'm going to take that hit. I better run out of bounds instead of cutting it back inside. It's, it's having the ability to think while you're out in the middle of all that stuff that's happening. Some guys have it, some guys don't. And you have to either learn it or you're going to have a graphic like the Jimmy Garoppolo right. injury history graphic. And that's the question. Just like with Kirk Cousins, you get to a point where you just are who you are. And 10 years into the NFL, Chris, I've got a feeling Jimmy G is who he is, and he's going to be the guy he's always been 
I don't know that Josh McDaniels can coach it out of him because the first injury on that graphic happened. Yeah. When McDaniels was his offensive coordinator. Yeah, no, I, I, you know, you, you bring up a lot of good points. I think what you're saying is real. I will say I think this offense fits him better than the 49ers. I think he'll be more comfortable there. And, you know, the fact that it's, you know, maybe a little more traditional in the standpoint of you guys know, you know, the 49ers offense. It's, you know, fake to this guy, fake this guy. Hey, and I'm standing in a mosh pit and people around me and we want to throw it right down the middle to Debo. And, you know, it just it's almost looks like controlled chaos at times where. McDaniel's offense is going to be a little bit more the traditional, hey, we're in the shotgun, you're going to go through reason. I think Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be more comfortable in that rather than the play action, we need you to get up, you know, maybe avoid a little pass rush and throw a rifle down the middle of the field 15, 20 yards into a tight window. And I think that's where he could get not only into meathead Jimmy G, I'm going to stand there and take too big of a hit, but also meathead, I'm going to, I'm just going to fit this in there. And you go, what? You're way too good of a player to make a throw like that. How the hell could you do that? And that's what happens to him. And I think that's where McDaniels can maybe fix Jimmy G a little bit. I think the main thing is to fix him in a way that you don't have to literally fix him. Yeah, that's right. You don't have to repair him. Right. That's the key. Yeah. And even with Jimmy G playing every game this year, it's going to be an uphill climb for the Las Vegas Raiders, but it's going to be a dramatic downhill slide if they have to rely upon Brian Hoyer or Aiden O'Connell or if they have to get Tom Brady from the ownership suite down onto the field, (laughs) which I know he's said he's certain he's not coming back, and I'm certain he's not certain about anything until football season rolls around nobody knows including him what's ultimately going to happen i had i haven't we haven't mentioned brady in a few days so. oh, thank you Boom. it's been i've box. been i've been and off we it. go thank you yes i'm sure you have let's take a break uh when we return another encouraging sign for bill's safety demar hammond who continues the road back from the cardiac arrest he suffered on the field on january 2nd we'll discuss that when pft live continues right after this Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 